Hey everyone, it's Steve-O from Not Another Bee Horrorcast, and you're listening to another great production on the 4i Radio Network. For more great shows, check out www.4iradio.com. Wallop and web snappers! My spider sense is tingling, tingling, tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Hello, welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Doug. And I'm Derek. And is your spider sense tingling? I believe it is. Ah, good, yes. To listen to this show, find us on 4eyedradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration, and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. And this episode is supported by our $10 and up patron, Bo Harper. What, what? Well, 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 we're at another show now, our first time doing something that isn't spider-man the animated series yeah if you are behind and just jumping into this episode um holy spider balls batman we got through a whole season (laughs) of a freaking show yeah it's crazy i mean i'm still i'm still kind of it doesn't feel like it it doesn't really doesn't feel like it it doesn't feel like we've been doing this for that long i know we haven't i guess technically but we've been doing it for like this is like week 15 or something so yeah yeah and yeah. and our episodes aren't short, so like we probably need like two weeks to get through that first season. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> We've been doing this a long time by hours alone. <laughs> but yeah, so like I said, if you if you're just jumping into this episode, we ha- we finished talking about the first season of Spider-Man: The Animated Series from the '90s, the one that most people think about, and we have decided to sort of take a detour just for fun. And we're going to be diving into the first episode of the 1981 cartoon Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends, which is very exciting because it'll be the first time we talk about something else. Like we did with the first episode of the 90s show, we have a whole bunch of kind of history and trivia, just the broad, broad spectrum of it. And with this one... There aren't as many prevalent, like, interviews. I mean, I'm sure that there's plenty of them that probably exist, but they're not as as easy to track down as, like, John Semper just kind of telling the entire, like, oral history of Spider-Man the Animated Series. A lot of of information that's here is mostly stuff that's come from, like, Wikipedia and IMDb. So sometimes take it with a little grain of salt, but most of the stuff seems pretty accurate, and and I've heard it from other sources, too. So There's also an entire... I I don't know how how frequently it's updated or anything like that i didn't dig enough there's like an entire website dedicated just to this show is that the one i think i went to that same one where yeah yeah they have like their whole webpage for like what they want for their complete series dvd that they want to come out (laughs) uh maybe i think so it's i think it's literally just like spider friends i think is what it's called yeah that's Um, what i was looking at but shout out to that person (laughs) good for you (laughs) i think there's still a pretty hefty fan base for this one actually because I mean, everything, because one, one um, interview that I, I did see that I, I didn't listen to because it was like a whole podcast episode that uh, Spider-Man yeah. Crawl Space did. And like, 
there was tons of comments on it being like, oh my God, I love this show so much. And it's just like, people, I think there is like a real nostalgia factor for it. It was just, it was the generation before us, like the two of us. Yeah. But I mean, I think for most people, you know, you have the 60s Spider-Man show that was in the, like 1967. And then there's mm-hmm. a pretty big gap between that and this show. And even though there was a solo Spider-Man show happening the same year, which we'll get into the weirdness of that. Yeah. This, this is the one that kind of was was in the cultural consciousness that that stuck with people like this was quote unquote their spider-man show for a long time and i think probably still is for a lot of people which is which is pretty cool well and we'll get into to why but i i get it too because i had a lot of fun watching this episode i wasn't quite sure what to expect but it was really fun yeah yeah absolutely um so so you've never you've never seen this show at all before until now right I've never seen any of this that I recall. Um, I would not be surprised if I had seen bits and pieces on like a hotel television sometime, but I don't recall ever watching this because I don't know if it was ever, was it, was it on at all? Like network television when I, like when we were kids. So my experience with it was that I don't think when we were kids, it was, it was on anywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, That said, I, the, the other show, the 1981, just like solo Spider-Man show. I did remember seeing that. Uh, when I would visit my grandparents in Baltimore, like they okay. did run that in syndication. So it's possible that Amazing Friends was somewhere running somewhere, but it wasn't on like any major, any major like cable channels or anything. It would have just been in like a random afternoon on, on like an NBC channel or something like that. Sure. You know? It did run in like uh, around like 2005-ish or so, like mid-2000s. ABC Family uh, was was where I first saw it because they did okay. their, their Spider-Mania marathon. I want to say those are on 2005. So... That's where my nostalgia for it comes from. It was from being a teenager watching it, but I thought it was really cool watching it then because basically Spider-Mania, they did like, they ran the first episode of the, um, of the original 60s show. So like the first Spider-Man show ever. And then they would run some of like the 90s show. They did Amazing Friends and they did Unlimited. So basically every Spider-Man show that they had access to at the times, all of them, I think other than the, um, the 81 show and the MTV show at the time. So that was pretty cool. Um, and then they actually just ended put that in their regular rotation at some point, huh. which is crazy to me. Cause like they were doing all the, like a bunch of shows from the nineties and two thousands and then current shows. And then they had this rando like eighties show in there. <laughs> um, and then I know that Toon Disney, like when um, Jetix ended on, ended on ABC family and ended up being just kind of like permanently on Toon Disney. And then I think amazing friends ran on Toon Disney as part of their Jetix block for a long time. Which, again, just seems completely, like, out of place for it. So I don't really know what the thinking was or how well it did. The other piece of trivia, like, related to that, that I thought was kind of interesting. I didn't watch any of these, but they apparently did these, like... They called them Marvel mashups, but it was basically, like, Toon Disney's own self-made YouTube poop of Amazing Friends, basically. Like, they just took random scenes of this, and I think maybe the Incredible Hulk show, too, that was also (laughs) from the 80s. And would just take random scenes, like, dub them over or, like, cut them together in weird ways. And they would put Hmm. that, like, between commercial breaks and on their website, which is crazy to me. I should have watched some of those before uh, before doing this, but it's a weird tactic because you don't really... (laughs) You don't really see that very often, I feel like. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. But yeah, so that was the long answer to your question. The short <laughs> answer is no, probably didn't see it very much unless you were watching one of those channels when you were like 16. So. Yeah, I uh, we didn't even have ABC Family, so I'm pretty confident that I had never, ever watched this on my own television <laughs> <laughs> until now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, like I said, I watched it. I, I enjoyed it for what it was. I, I look at I have it from a different lens now, like watching it in this context, like as sure. an adult. But even even as a 
as a teenager, I was sort of like, oh, well, it's retro. Like, this is kind of like, <laughs> it's not what I want from a TV show or a Spider-Man show, but like, it's, it's cool in its own unique way, uh, which yeah. we'll kind of get into. So the history of the show um, is kind of interesting. This was uh, the reason that it's Spider-Man and his amazing friends was because it was intentionally meant to be a competitor to the Super Friends franchise um, that was running on ABC. So NBC was like, we also want Super Friends. Uh, we can do, mo- let's let's do Marvel things. What's the Marvel Super Friends? Now we would probably say <laughs> Avengers. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, or um, even X-Men. <laughs> or even X-Men, right. It's, I think the thought process was literally just that Spider-Man is the, the big, like, prime Marvel character, yeah. especially at this point. So we need to do something with Spider-Man. And this isn't something that I had, like, in the notes, but I know that they were also, like, they wanted to get X-Men as a show, too. So I think that the reason that they wanted to have Iceman as one of his amazing friends, this is just my speculation. I think they wanted to have him so they could bring in X-Men on this show and almost make like a backdoor pilot to eventually do X-Men shows that they ultimately never did them. I know they did like the the Pride of the X-Men pilot that Uh kind of eventually morphed into the 90s X-Men show down the line. But as far as I know, like nothing ever got off the ground for whatever reason. So Hmm. that's my speculation for why uh, Iceman is in this, though. I like that theory. Yeah. But yeah, so the, the 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 way that the show got off the ground is kind of funny, um, and also kind yeah. of yeah, <laughs> kind of cynical in a way. It feels it feels very eighties corporation uh-huh. <laughs> thought process. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, during initial discussions, the uh, the creative team went to New York. Um, they went to have a meeting with the NBC VT VP of Children's Broadcasting, which was uh, Mickey Dwyer at the time. One of the things that uh, she wanted for the show was for the characters to have a dog. <laughs> so. Weird thing to just like want to have in a superhero cartoon, but yeah, I want to, I want to, I want to be able to hear that conversation. Like, hey, we got this idea. We want to do a superhero show, but we want to make sure that like there's multiple superheroes and like it's not just one. And then the response is, give him a dog. <laughs> like, like, what do you do with that? Yeah, exactly. It gets even weirder than that, uh, too. Uh, <laughs> producer Dennis Marks, um, his wife apparently had a Lhasa Apso, uh, which was a new breed in the States at the time. And a very, like, I, I feel like this was kind of like a higher class kind of breed, just from, like, the way the dog looks. And they it seems like it. have the dog. So um, I'm sure that they were very impressed with that and told Dwyer about that type of dog. Apparently... The dog is the temple lion dog of Tibet. News to me, but... um, (laughs) So... That was enough to sway the NBC exec to uh, to be like, okay, cool, I'm on board with that as long as it's that kind of dog. And also, this bit of trivia is weird, but this is this is right from IMDb, so like, don't blame me for the what this is and the wording of it and everything. But it says, uh, because this was right in the middle of the feminist revolution, they decided they could call the dog character Miss Lion. So, okay, <laughs> I think this makes a little bit more sense with... Um, I-, I was reading an, an interview that mentioned this it was with dennis marks and in that one it was specified as ms lion which i think doesn't necessarily make the whole history of it make sense but the tie to like quote feminist revolution i think makes a little bit more sense because it's like i don't know i didn't realize that ms was a strong enough buzzword to like convince a studio executive (laughs) But uh, the article or the interview I read had it transcribed as Ms. instead of Mrs. or Miss. Interesting. Yes. Which, it's very definitely Miss in the show, I 
feel like maybe or at least in all the captions say miss for sure i mean the way that they say it like the that you you could take it either way because there is like miss lion like if you're saying it quickly it can you can say that they're either saying ms or miss but i feel like like the the canon one because uh, spoiler alert miss lion is in the comics apparently they like added her (laughs) in the comics as part of the pet avengers oh well that would sort of uh (laughs) that would that would make it definitive because they have to write it out in that yeah and and uh, so everywhere you look it's miss lion so oh well this makes so much less sense to me then but i think maybe the intention was ms lion and then it just became miss lion over time like maybe uh. in the in the scripts it may maybe it was ms lion but then like just over time when other writers started like huh. <laughs> taking on the character they called her miss lion so cuz like to me and again I, this is all absurd like especially in 2019 <laughs> when you think of like studio executives deciding to greenlight a show based on the the quote feminist name of the dog <laughs> Um, but, uh, there's some Ms. Marvel history that is very similar to that, right? Where the reason she's Ms. Marvel is to be sort of a feminist, you know, uh, symbol, uh, specifically as Ms. Marvel instead of Miss Marvel or Mrs. Marvel or whatever the case may be. That's interesting. And so this was sort of, when I was reading that article, I was like, oh, okay, this is like right in line with like the, the same types of things they were doing. But JK, I guess. (laughs) I guess. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's weird. And it, maybe it's just, maybe it really is just inconsistent across the board, like depending on the writer, because it's, I mean, yeah, it's the difference between just like a couple of letters. So yeah, for sure. That's, that's so weird. Well, but it sold the show. It, it sold that, the entire show. They're like, yep, let's do it. Ms. Lion, the lion, temple lion, dog of Tibet, Tibet, we're doing it. Here's just Spider-Man Feminist show. icon. <laughs> God. Feminist icon, Ms. Lion. I love exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> Interesting. Well, now I don't know what to call her. <laughs> I don't either. I don't either. I guess she could just be lion. <laughs> I feel like you need you need the article there for her for it to be right for her. Of you course, just otherwise the, the show makes bit. no sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oy, oy, oy. Well, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting stuff uh, development wise. Um, originally, the Human Torch was supposed to be in this series alongside Spider-Man and Iceman, um, but there were some licensing issues at the time that prevented that from happening. The same troubles that also caused the 78 Fantastic Four cartoon to use Herbie the Robot instead of uh, Human Torch. Uh, This resulted in Firestar, basically, being created specifically for this show to have similar powers but be a female main character. Which, you know, actually sort of fits again if they're already having this conversation about how to make the show more, quote, feminist by basically just, like, inserting more women into it. Which, hey... Good start, I guess. Sure. <laughs> Firestar actually makes a lot of sense. So she's she's basically a female version of the Human Torch in this, and and we kind of kind of see that as far as powers go. And she had cool pre-production names such as Heatwave, Starblaze, and Firefly, um, <laughs> two of which I'm I'm confident are actually other characters in the universe. They are, I know, in DC Comics. Oh, okay, maybe that's maybe what I'm thinking of then. Yeah, yeah. So okay. both of them were villains too. So that's hmm. interesting. I love Starblaze. <laughs> I know, right? That's a dope name. <laughs> yeah. Very, very cool name. But it, it's it's pretty neat that the show basically created a, a character that ended up permeating into the into other media. It, it's sort of a Harley Quinn-ish type of scenario where uh uh I don't I mean obviously Firestar isn't as popular as Harley yeah. Quinn, but where a character was was well established enough to break out of their cartoon origin. 
Yeah, and she was in prominent stuff. I know she was like a major player in the Maximum Carnage arc, <laughs> which is just a pretty big deal. About. Yeah, that was a pretty big deal. So yeah, and she she joined the mainstream comics universe in uh, 1985 specifically, um, and she's been a mainstay ever since in different like in different um, factions, but. Um, the one, the only change that they really made to her is that she controlled microwave energy instead of fire, which I think it's just because there's already tons of people that can control fire in the Marvel universe. So yeah, yeah. Microwave energy is is cool. It does the same stuff basically. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> and then on the casting side, uh, we'll go into like the actual cast members as it goes along. But this is just like a, a weird story. Um, Dan Gilvezan is uh, the actor who voices Spider-Man. He was originally got the role, uh, but then was apparently recast um, soon after that. And then two weeks later, his agent called and was like, nope, actually, you, you've you been booked it. Uh, they didn't like the person they chose after all. So, <laughs> <laughs> but the result of that is that all of his lines in this first episode that we're watching now had to be redone with oh. uh, Gilvezan's voice added back in. Wow, they did the whole first episode before they axed him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and again, this is like the same deal as like the 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 uh, '90s show, like the showrunner. Like, I want to know who that first voice actor I was. I know. <laughs> what? I feel like that would be an expensive mistake, <laughs> right? I know because they had to be under contract and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, man. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> what I wonder. What if it was because the the next bit of trivia is related to this other Spider-Man show that was happening at the same time, and it would be interesting if they did try to get the voice in that Spider-Man show in oh. this Spider-Man show, and maybe like they didn't feel like his chemistry worked well with with the other two members of his team or something like that. If that were the case, that would also explain why we don't necessarily know who it was. Yeah, because you wouldn't if that other show exists. You don't necessarily want to like throw the their current Spider-Man actor under the bus. Yeah, to say like, oh yeah, we fired their guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, on hmm. that note, on that note, this this is the like one of the weirdest things about this whole show is that it's like kind of a sequel slash like in continuity spinoff with a show that was literally running at the exact same time. Yep. This is the Spider-Man, just called Spider-Man, the nineteen eighty one Spider-Man cartoon. Um, so that was in production before Amazing Friends came out. Um, it was about halfway through production when NBC was like, "Yo, we want an Amazing Friends show." So Marvel Productions was like, "Well, you want a Spider-Man show." that's like teamed up to to do your own thing we've already got all these designs um we've already made a bunch of music we've got a whole staff like writing this show why don't we just kind of carry over that stuff into amazing friends the big difference between the two shows was just that peter parker and aunt may both had different voices for some reason yeah but otherwise, they look exactly the same. Same music. Um, they share a lot of the same villains. I know that there's some continuity issues, I think, like, if you dig into it but with some of, like, the villains' origins and things like that. But for the most part, they're they're assumed to be in the same continuity. The kind of uh, interesting thing about it is that this Spider-Man show, the reason I guess that they felt like they could do this was because the solo Spider-Man show was syndicated, um, whereas the Amazing Friends show was on NBC. And syndication, I guess, isn't really like a thing anymore for most people. So for anyone who doesn't know what that means, for a long time, syndication basically just meant that you could package a show... Um, and instead of it just being like a network was in charge of it, you would just have the studio creating the show, funding the show and producing it. And then different networks in different locations, um, like local networks would buy it. Um, so that's why, like, depending on where you lived, uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, for example, would be like uh, aired in different places, depending on where you lived. If you were in California, it might be like airing on like Saturdays at one on Fox. And then in Virginia, it might be like on ABC at like in the middle of the night. So 
this Spider-Man show, because of that, probably didn't really get as much exposure because it wasn't consistent across the country, whereas Amazing Friends was a national show. Syndication must be an absolutely wild concept to people who have grown up pretty much only watching television in this era right. of television. Yeah. Because can yeah. you imagine, can you imagine um, the idea, I mean, and, and, and of course this, this wasn't for all shows, so this analogy is not going to be perfect, but can you imagine like Walking Dead in syndication and having different markets watching it on different networks at different times? Yeah. Like it's... that would never work for the writing style of so many of these shows. Right. And and it almost shouldn't have worked for, for other shows like Next Generation or whatever, you know, whatever mm-hmm. shows actually were in syndication, just based on different types of stories you might be telling. It, mm-hmm. Like, it, I, I don't think anything of it because I grew up with syndicated <laughs> television, but I'm just thinking about trying to apply that model to the current... <laughs> like trend in television shows yeah yeah i mean just the idea of like live tweeting a show like (laughs) (laughs) the east west thing is already a pain in the butt enough for people on the west coast (laughs) right right it's it's wild yeah it's just something that just wouldn't wouldn't work anymore and i think like uh, a lot of shows that were syndicated were things that were kind of cult shows like i know like xena and the hercules shows like those are syndicated like Mm -hmm. things that that have a really big fan base, but were kind of like, they weren't necessarily like sweeping like cultural things, you know? They weren't like network, what are those called? Tent, uh, is, am I tent using tentpole correctly? Yeah, I would say okay. so. Yeah. Which, yeah. So then and it's, yeah, it's so interesting. And like, that's, that's just an interesting topic all on its own. Just like <laughs> syndication in general. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know what I learned uh, the other day? What? There are like three markets in the entire United States that show Jeopardy like at a completely different time. Really? Yeah. Like like just a totally different time, like in the morning or something like that. Ooh, oh. Which I means don't like you that. you could you could if you had the ability to watch Jeopardy in that market outside of that market, you could be a total jerk and like ruin Jeopardy <laughs> for somebody. Oh man. <laughs> right? Oh, Isn't that wow. weird? That's very weird. Jeopardy that's not at like 7 or 7.30 just like doesn't feel right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I want to be eating dinner and watching it. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. (laughs) (sighs) So all this, um, all this weirdness with the like two different shows at the same time and the, and the, uh, the fact that they kind of are connected and in the same universe, but have weird, like weird differences. Does this make this like the most comic book television show of all? (laughs) Oh my God. Actually, honestly, I, that's (laughs) such a great like analogy for it. Like, is this not just having like the amazing Spider-Man and like, or or better example, is this not like having Miles Morales, Spider-Man and champions happening at the same time? (laughs) Right, right. That's pretty much all it is. (laughs) That's exactly what it is. Oh man, that's so funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And and to throw a wrench in it too, um, there was also an Incredible Hulk cartoon that was happening at the same time. (laughs) That was also in the same continuity because things crossed over, villains crossed over. Uh, Doc Ock is the only one that crossed over in all three shows, which is cool. (laughs) <laughs> means we have to watch that. Oh my god, we do. <laughs> we have to watch all of them. Become a patron because we'll watch it. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, yeah. That'll be a bonus when we do for sure. Mm-hmm. In the books, <laughs> they were like eventually packaged together. Uh, like I said, the the solo Spider-Man cartoon was pretty much overshadowed, like in ratings and cultural memory, um, because of the syndication. But later on, um, like I guess later in the eighties, they started packaging like Amazing Friends with the Incredible Hulk show, and then they actually packaged all three of them together in like a ninety-minute 
uh, special that would kind of rotate them out. Um, they called it the Marvel Action Universe. So sometimes they would have like all three of these shows. Sometimes that they would replace them with a newer one. Like for example, RoboCop the animated series. What? Yes, this and this is not the same one as the Alpha Commando one. The Alpha Commando <laughs> one that kept popping up in, in the 90s uh, show was uh, like a, a different one. That was a 90s Alpha Commando show. This was an Ooh. 80s RoboCop the animated series. New. Yes. That Spider-Man and RoboCop had such a storied history together. <laughs> right? <laughs> of <Wow>. all things. <laughs> Have they ever crossed over? I mean, I, my gut says no, but then I'm also like, what hasn't crossed over in comics? There's probably yeah. a RoboCop versus Spider-Man comic out there somewhere in some way. <laughs> I need it. <laughs> if for no other reason that I, I keep, we keep running into it. <laughs> I know. Oh, it's so weird. Huh. Can't escape. <laughs> yeah. Um, the last bit of trivia for this is a sad one. It's a bummer. It, it's a real bummer. Yeah, I hate stuff like this. Well, yeah. like I love stuff like I love knowing stuff like this, but I, I hate the circumstances of things like this. Right. So Stan Lee, he, back in the day, he wanted to narrate every show that ever happened. It really only stopped officially with I think the the '90s X Men one because they were like, no, we want this to be serious. We don't want you to like be be talking up stuff over it. So. He wanted to How do narration. They? I know, right? He wanted to do narrations on this show. Um, at first, they didn't do it. They, I, I don't know why. They just wanted to be different. Um, so their first season had no narration on it. Um, but by the time the second season rolled around, they're like, yeah, you know what? We do actually want Stan Lee to have the narrations. It just seems like it'll work. Um, so for the second and third seasons, um, Stan Lee narrates um, at the beginning, just kind of introducing what's going to happen and talking it up using probably some cool Stan Lee words and Stan Excelsior and stuff like that. And then to keep it all consistent, they had him go back and also narrate over those first season episodes. So for any reruns or repackagings that had happened, um, you would have Stan Lee narrations across all episodes of this show, which is really cool. However, at some point down the line, like during that period where it wasn't in any reruns at all, the masters of these episodes, the only ones that they kept or they lost some of them, somehow the only masters that they have are ones without his narration. So any masters, any copies that are on, that are ever going to be on streaming, that are on DVD, that are ever rerun, the majority of them, aside from some third season episodes, do not have his narration at all. And as far as anyone's been able to track down, they're pretty much lost to time as far as anyone's been able to figure out. Oh, yeah. That's so upset. I, uh... <laughs> One of the things that I think the Spider Friends website does is they try to keep a catalog, like, of the Stanley narrations that they've been able to, like, collect, maybe from people, like, taping it off the TV or something like that, and then saving the tapes or something. Yeah. Or just from memory, but I don't think it's even, like, I don't think there's any, color, like, complete list of what his narrations were, like, what his lines were that anyone's been able to find, because I think, like, the last time I, like, when I looked at it, it was, like... If you can contribute to the Stanley narration list, please do. Like somewhere man. in these United States, there's a storage locker that has a bunch of tapes. <laughs> like just VHS tapes or something. It's got to exist somewhere. It I have to believe. <laughs> I know. It's so it's so sad cuz I would love to hear it. I did hear like I listened to like one snippet that that still remains from the third season one and it's interesting uh -huh. cuz he sounds so young. <laughs> um, which he's like 60. So, I mean, but right. he still sounds so it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's such a, it's such a cool artifact of, of its time that sucks that like, it's just baby out there somewhere. It's like the lost doctor who episodes. And that's exactly like, what I was thinking. 
Yeah, where it's just like somebody, somebody somewhere just didn't think that this was important and didn't didn't want to like take the time to store it correctly, and then this is what happens. <sighs> so sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, maybe someday we will um, live to see you know the discovery of of uh, recorded versions of those episodes. Yeah, wouldn't that that'd be, be nice? amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't I don't know when VCRs became like a household item though. I have no idea. Yeah, I mean they like cuz they existed for a long time but they were so expensive up until I f- want to say probably if not the late 80s, maybe not even like till early 90s. Like I feel like maybe like 89 or something they started being more prevalent cuz I don't think like VHS tape movies on tape were really a thing until like ET came out like years years mm. after it or something. I don't know. I'm <laughs> I'm just throwing out like random tidbits of knowledge that I have <laughs> that may or may not be correct. But <laughs> I'm all right with it. <laughs> it's all true as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah, cool. That's how you should live life. Just always yes. believe what I say. Exactly. <laughs> well, well, shall we dive in? Yes, let's do it. I guess it. we still have some production stuff to go through, but uh, uh, we can we can talk about the episode itself now. We yeah. are, of course, talking about the first episode of Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Um, it is called Triumph of the Green Goblin, and here is our teeny tiny synopsis per IMDb. The Green Goblin wants to poison the city's water supply, classic, with a formula <laughs> that will turn everyone into creatures like him you know exactly the type of thing that you expect from green goblin (laughs) (laughs) the lizard is calling (laughs) he wants his plan back (laughs) excuse me (laughs) cool well um if you want to watch this episode along with us it is available for purchase only no streaming anywhere right now unfortunately Uh, so sad i know it used to didn't it yeah yeah all of these all of these were on netflix and or hulu at some point and then they just Come on, Disney Plus. I know, right? (laughs) You've got my money if you do it, Disney Plus. Absolutely. Uh, But you can purchase them um, uh, uh, at Amazon Prime, iTunes, YouTube, Google Play. Um, There is a complete series DVD that exists, but it's only in the UK, so it's that, like, Region 2 PAL format. Mm. So, you know, do that what you will. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, The original air date for this episode was September 12th, 1981. The creators on this show, uh, this episode, I should say, was written by Dennis Marks. Um, He is the producer of it, basically the showrunner. They didn't really, I don't think they had, like, invented the term showrunner yet at this point but that's essentially what he was kind of the head creative person on it he wrote tons of cartoons like all over the place um and he also wrote on the 80s incredible hulk that was running he wrote on the dungeons and dragons cartoon uh the original transformers um then into the 90s he wrote the 90s teenage mutant ninja turtles he wrote the jetsons movie the tom and jerry movie that was awful not good (laughs) And he did uh, one of like the last credits that he had was uh, the story on an episode of Batman the Animated Series. Oh, that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, so kind of very, very storied history. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, this episode was directed by Don Jerwich. Am I saying that correctly? Potentially. Jerwich, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, hey, Bob Richardson. We know that guy. Yeah, yeah. This is so. This this is interesting. I think like it's. I'm sort of beginning to understand how they do the animation like credits now. Cause I know what we were questioning on the nineties show, like Bob Richardson literally just directs every single episode. Like how does that work? <laughs> so, and I think I understand a little better with that show. They out, like he was the supervising director and then they outsourced to, to, um, to Japan, to uh, TMS studios to do it. Um, in this case, it was all done in house at Marvel Productions. So 
Don Jurwich or Jurwich or whatever. <laughs> um, he's the supervising director, like what Bob Richardson was for animated series. Um, and then at the end of every episode, you you'll see like the list of animation directors on there. So there's a whole bunch of them that are listed. Who's to say who did what when? The one that I thought was worth calling out was Bob Richardson. He's listed on IMDb as being the other director. And so I don't know if they just know something that I don't or if they only <laughs> listed him because the he's the only one that had a credit. But yeah, he was on, uh, he eventually went on to Spider-Man the Animated Series. Meanwhile, Dr. Uh, Dr. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. J. <laughs> Dr. J. Um, Mr. Urwich, um, he also directed on the 1981 Spider-Man show, um, as well as G.I. Joe um, and G.I. Joe the movie. Um, he produced Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo, the 80s Incredible Hulk, the Smurfs, and lots and lots more. Gosh, it's got to be so weird, or it must have been so weird for the people who worked on both of these shows. Yeah, yeah, right? That's so bizarre. <laughs> the more I think about it, the weirder it is. I know, right? <laughs> well, being the uh, season pr- or series premiere, rather, of this um, show, there are tons of major characters introduced. Obviously, Peter Parker slash Spider-Man, the most major character introduced, um, was portrayed by Dan Gilvezan. Um, this was his first voice role, which is kind of wild to think wow. about. I had no yeah. idea. Yeah, exactly. I, uh, I think I read somewhere that he, um, oh, I should have written this down. He was doing something totally different, but still performance related. And I think was just sort of discovered or asked to audition or something like that. Whoa. Which that's incredible to me. (laughs) Like what are the odds? So yeah, this was his first, his first voice role. Um, but he did go on to do a lot of other stuff. So he's also known for being the voice of Bumblebee in a number or in a number of other voices in the original Transformers television series, as well as playing Bumblebee in the 1986 movie. And, um, was also the voice of Slipstream in the 1986 GI Joe television series and certainly other credits as well. Yeah. He also, uh, he came back for the Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions game and Mm. was 2099 in that game. Oh, not a great casting choice, but he, (laughs) he, he was good. But just not who I would have cast for 2099. I think it was literally because that whole game was just they brought back former Spider-Man to voice Spider-Man. Yeah. And it probably was just like, who do we cast him as? Eh, we haven't done anybody for 2099. So there yeah. you go. One of those things that's like a nice <laughs> idea, but not great for execution. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The other, the other character, or one of the other characters we have is portrayed by someone very well-known, Iceman slash Bobby Drake. He is portrayed by Frank Welker. Most people should know who that name is. Um, if you don't, he is Fred freaking Jones in the Scooby-Doo franchise. <laughs> Since 1969, up until now, no one else in animation has ever played Fred Jones, which is crazy. Um, excuse me, one <laughs> Freddie Prince Jr. has an issue uh, it, <laughs> with that I, I thought statement. I said it. I, th- I meant to say in, in animation, if I didn't say that. That's what meant. Well, I'm just being a dick. <laughs> although, no, you know what? That's to be fair, because technically Robot Chicken is animation, and Freddie Prinze Jr. was definitely a Fred at one point, I think, in Robot Chicken. So, Oh, weird. Yeah, they had like the whole Scooby-Doo cast in like their Scooby-Doo parody at one point. Yeah, huh. Fun fact, unrelated. Huh. Um, and, and since 2002, he also played Scooby himself because he can do anything, basically. Which we will see uh, in just a couple credits. <laughs> <laughs> yep. He also played Megatron in many iterations of Transformers, um, as well as many other characters throughout the franchise's movies, TV shows, and video games. Another fun fact, he, he's played Santa's Little Helper sometimes in The Simpsons when oh. they need him to do like... <laughs> Whenever they need like a Santa's Little Helper centric episode, so they need a lot of dog noises, they'll bring in Frank <laughs> Welker to play him. 
But yeah, he was honored with an Emmy Award for Lifetime Achievement in 2016. Well warranted. (laughs) Yes, very, very well deserved. (laughs) When I turned the episode on before doing any sort of the research, um, I heard Iceman talk and I was like, oh my god, it's Fred. Right? (laughs) Like, it's so distinct. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The third of the main character trio introduced in this episode is Firestar, also uh, known as Angelica Jones. Um, And she is portrayed by Kathy Garver, who I believe is most famous for, alongside this role, Sissy Patterson Davis in probably all episodes of Family Affair, which I've never watched. (laughs) Um, But like so many of these shows, I am now feeling compelled to at least check it out. And uh, also played Miss America slash Madeline Joyce in Spider-Man the Animated Series, a character we've yet to see. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I had no idea. That's very, that's really cool. I didn't realize they brought her back for that. Yeah. Nice. Okay. And Miss Lion, which I just Googled it and I was wrong. It is MS period on all of these um, wikis and databases. So it but is, I can right. see why it appears other ways, because if you do, if you are watching this on Amazon, like we are, all the captions say M-I-S-S. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so it's, it is very confusing. <laughs> yeah. The canon name is... Ms. Lion, MS period. So <laughs> wrong about that. So that's cool. Moving forward, she is the feminist icon, Ms. Lion. Yes. And she is portrayed, of course, by Frank Welker. <laughs> feminist icon Frank Welker. <laughs> exactly. So, yes. He's very good at dog noises. <laughs> um, well, specific kinds of cartoon dog noises, I should yes. say. <laughs> yes, of course. Um, I, I love that fact. I love that uh, yeah. Like Frank Welker just happened to already be around. So they're like, hey, dude, you want to you wanna do the dog noises? <laughs> I hope he got paid a little bit more for those dog noises. I hope so. <laughs> Unsurprising in a Spider-Man property, we have Aunt May uh, in this series, and she is introduced in the very first episode. Um, This wasn't made clear, I don't believe, in the first episode, um, but the three of them live at the Parker residence, I believe, right? Yes, Yes, that's Um, correct. So we do see Aunt May's house frequently, and I'm assuming that we will see Aunt May uh, just as frequently, given that they are living in her home. And uh, in this cartoon, she is portrayed by June Foray, who was a popular and is a very or was a very prolific uh, voice artist who started in radio, which I think is really, really cool. Mm -hmm. She is probably in something you've watched, like watch anything and she's probably in it. Um, She was the voice of Granny and Witch Hazel in many, many, many uh, Warner Brothers cartoons. Um, she was the voice of Rocky J. Squirrel, uh, as well as Natasha Fatal and Nell Fenwick on the Rocky and Bullwinkle show. Um, she voiced Lucifer the Cat in Cinderella and Grandmother Fa in Mulan. Oh, man, that's so cool. Yeah, and that's that's just a few. I mean, she did a ton. Um, and those are just some of the things that I figured people would most recognize, but she's in a ton of stuff. And uh, fun fact specifically uh, that I found for you, the character June Bellamy who is said to voice the characters Itchy and Scratchy in The Simpsons, is named after June Foray. Nice. I, yeah. I think that I think I knew that from the Simpson, Talking Simpsons podcast, but I did I would not have remembered that if you didn't bring it up. So that's cool. Yeah. And also, in, that's a very good episode that she's in. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah. Cool. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. What a, what a legend. Like, her career spans. Seriously. So long. So much stuff. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah, and I I didn't um 
because Aunt May isn't in the episode as much, I'm disappointed in myself, but I understand that I didn't pick up on the granny uh, voice at first. Because I didn't it's, it's, at all. It's, it's, once you know it, you can kind you can tell. Uh, if you watched a lot of Looney Tunes stuff, or if you watched Space Jam a thousand times like my little brother did, <laughs> it's, yeah, you can, you can definitely, definitely tell. Yeah, yeah. Although I, I suppose, I don't know that she would have been alive for Space Jam, so she would not have done the voice. But obviously they're using somebody who, who can do the same voice, so. Right. Cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I love this. This is cool. So yeah. Green Goblin is portrayed by Dennis Marks, who is the, the writer, producer, slash kind of showrunner guy on this show, um, which is really neat. And I think he's really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> he also voiced Green Goblin in the 1981 show um, on the episode Revenge of the Green Goblin. So, yeah. So that's really neat. He cast himself, but he's honestly like... I feel like might be one of my favorite Green Goblin voices, honestly, like even, um, even kind of small appearance. I was super surprised that he wasn't known for voice acting because this is one of his only three voice roles yeah. like ever. And I believe almost, if not all of his voice roles are connected to this animated universe. Wow. Yeah. And That's so I, you know, I was looking at his IMDb and at first I was like, oh my gosh, he's been in so much. And then I realized those were his writing credits, not his mm-hmm. voice credits. <laughs> yeah. He's really talented. Oh yeah. man. I wonder, that's one of the things I, I, there might be, I wonder if there's an interview out there that we just haven't found, but like, it would be really cool. Like I could just see this being the kind of thing where he gets onto the show and he just like has been able to do this voice for a long time. They're like, oh, we're going <laughs> to guess his Green Goblin. And he's like, I have an idea. <laughs> How about this? <laughs> <laughs> and then just like breaks out in the goblin laugh. And yeah. What if that's office. like his one voice? What if that's why he's never done anything else? He's got one okay. voice. <laughs> Actually, that, that seems likely. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, there are plenty of actors who do one voice and get plenty of work. So it's all right. He should have done more. This is really good. <laughs> True, true, true. <laughs> um, interestingly enough, uh, he did not do the voice of Norman Osborn. Um, so unlike um, what we will end up seeing in other series, Green Goblin and Norman Osborn are voiced by different people. Uh, in this, Norman Osborn is portrayed by Neil Ross, who at the time was not well known enough, I guess, to even be credited. That's crazy. Uh, this was one of his first few uh, roles. I think it's maybe like his second or third or something like that. At least credit or. I guess he wasn't credited, but one of the first th- one of the first voice jobs he had, which is wild to think about because he's gone on to do tons of stuff. Mm-hmm. He also voiced Norman Osborn in the same episode of the 1981 Spider-Man series, Revenge of the Green Goblin. So those two guys did the voices for that series as well. He will return to this series as the voice of Siberiad and um, Scorpion. I don't know if I'm saying that name right, but I don't know how else I would say that. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I have not seen that episode whatever it is <laughs> i don't think i do i know that character at all <laughs> i don't think so <laughs> okay <laughs> one thing that's really cool is that he will return to voice norman osborne and green goblin in spider-man the animated series yes so this is not a stranger to us <laughs> yeah it, that's so it's wild that he's because, not credited in this at all <laughs> right it surprised me too because i didn't it doesn't really sound like him like the yeah, way I he, need to do a side by side or something. Yeah, like he does something different with his voice when he's playing Norman in the '90s show. Like this one, he's almost like extra whiny, I guess. Maybe just because he's younger. Yeah, and if this is one of his first roles, I mean, I have to imagine the amount of direction he received over the course of a decade. True. You know, improved. <laughs> improved his his ability to distinguish his voices but yeah that that really threw me off because i didn't recognize the name right off the bat you know which is terrible of me but um i saw that and was like wait a second we've already we've we've talked about this guy 
so you know we don't necessarily need to dig 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 really deep into his credits but um he had a very or has i think he's still alive a uh, very prolific career voicing characters in voltron gi joe centurions rambo uh transformers fantastic four iron man and all kinds of other stuff cool okay well those are all all the main episodes <laughs> characters lots of them yeah um, <laughs> we didn't even talk about one of them who uh only appears in like two episodes i ended up just nixing them because i was like we got too many <laughs> that's fine that's fine they don't matter that much yeah um, <laughs> let's get into this episode this let's is, do this it. will be this will be a fun one <laughs> <laughs> yeah cool okay so spider-man the amazing friends first of all you know i always got to comment on these opening sequences yes <laughs> i this 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 uh, theme song has been burned into my brain since i like watched the show when oh. i was a teenager i i i don't like love it in like nor like in the sense that i like like so, like a song but i love it because it's just it is definitely a brainworm for me at least i've had this like, in my head for years and i think it's a cool opening except it bugs me that <laughs> the they don't have they don't show all of them fighting together in this opening sequence they have iceman and spider-man fighting that really gorgeously animated fire monster thing question looks really cool yeah is that from an episode or is that made solely for this opening i think it's just solely for the opening because i know i haven't oh. seen the episode that the fire guy appears in and the animation seems like a big step up in quality that from kind of makes it even <laughs> more disappointing that yeah. firestar isn't there <laughs> yeah it's iceman and spider-man and i guess they figure like well it's a fire monster she's firestar what's she gonna do mm, so they, they just... did not figure that you're giving them way too much credit at least based <laughs> on what i've seen from one episode <laughs> True. I don't think that's what it was. <laughs> True. Well, in any case, they just like cut away from that gorgeously animated fire monster as Spider-Man and, and Iceman are taking them down to just, oh, now it's the Green Goblin. He's just flying around, not doing anything. And Firestar just circles around him. And that's what she does. That's it. And I'm like, no, they're Spider-Man and are amazing friends. Like, show what they would do together as a team. Like, why do they work together so well? I don't know. And yeah. Me, opening, me and opening sequences just don't get along, I guess. That's all right. It would not be walloping web snappers if we didn't bring up the opening sequence i look forward to bringing it up again uh in two weeks <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well this episode opens on a rainy evening in new york um, where spider-man spots a car recklessly speeding through the rain and obviously hops on board to figure out what's going on um, inside the car there are two jewel thieves who are discussing their getaway um, but when they realize that spider-man is onto them they swerve to shake him off and then attempt to run him over uh, instead of just <laughs> carrying on (laughs) (laughs) tricks gotta kill him (laughs) yeah i like um dan uh, gilvazan or gilvazane i'm not sure how to pronounce it actually um we should probably look those things up but we never do i know we never do every time always (laughs) (laughs) names whatever (laughs) one day it's gonna get us into trouble probably yeah yeah uh dan i like his voice uh, but i don't love his voice like as spider-man i think it's like way too gravelly and everything but i think he's a really great performer like he's yes. he's really entertaining to listen to and his line reads are very um they're very like precise and not ever what you'd expect him but expect him to do like they're not the normal choices but they're really good and generally really funny like he's really good good with the quips yeah. i like him i like him in this in this scene especially because he's just like chastising himself the whole time <laughs> <laughs> like oh god i'm so dumb like which i mean <laughs> yeah they there's some like weird interactions between the main trio Mm -hmm. um, as far as like how they pick on each other and stuff. 
but they <laughs> they set the tone by having like self-deprecating Spider-Man like within the first 15 seconds of this yeah. this show. Like he's already calling himself like, "Oh, that was really dumb of me." <laughs> yeah, yeah, which you know what? That's pretty quintessential Spider-Man, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> it works. Yeah. Speaking of dumb, um <laughs> Spider <laughs> uh before they can hit Spider-Man, Iceman glides in uses his ice powers to uh make the car skid away from spider-man um saying here i come to help my chum because he was dumb yeah so (laughs) i thought based on these first like 30 seconds i thought that they were going to set up the show where spider-man was sort of the the dumbest of the trio and iceman was going to pick on him but really this is the only instance of of that because it flips pretty quickly where like iceman in the future of this episode will be the dumb one. <laughs> oh, very so dumb. <laughs> I guess they kind of had to get their, you know, Iceman picking on Spider-Man out of the way, but it, I, I was fully expecting, like, oh, this is going to be so weird. Spider-Man's going to be, like, the dunce in this series. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, boy, not at all. Nope. <laughs> yeah, well, so th- specifically the way that Iceman directs the car away from Spider-Man is he, like, creates a loop, like like a roller coaster loop or like how like hot wheels used to be <laughs> yep and and the car just glides on uh, glides on the loop and just kind of goes away like it, cr- oh, it crashes that no that's right it, it crashes, crashes into a telephone pole crashes into a telephone he pole. directs them right into a telephone pole <laughs> they could have died so yep. <laughs> thanks for good one face. ice man <laughs> <laughs> but yeah but spider-man opens the car like a can of sardines and webs up the thieves <laughs> So as Spider-Man and Iceman leave the scene, uh, Iceman comments that Spider-Man will likely get a medal for their efforts, but he, Iceman, will just get a cold shoulder. Um, which this is, is strange to me. Not usually how it happens with Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I'm very curious about that line. I know it, it, it's totally, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter yeah. at all. But it stood out to me because Iceman was the one saying that Spider-Man will get a medal. Right, like since Spider-Man when, doesn't dude? get medals, Iceman. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who gave you their notes, but they were very wrong. I want. I mean, he is an X-Man, and like they're not exactly beloved very much. So I Fair. guess he's maybe this is just the, their kind of pissing contest that they have. Like, <laughs> well, they hate me more than you. <laughs> oh my gosh! I hope that's what it is. <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> Also in the scene, uh, he the way that uh, Iceman alerts the cops of like their their heroism is by like shooting a, a a path of ice under the cops that are running towards them, making them like fall, like they slip and like could have hurt their backs very badly. I yeah. fell in like that exactly like they fell on ice before on pavement. It is not fun. It hurts. So, Tailbones in danger. <laughs> big dick move. Um, <laughs> he only does this just so he can like slide the the jewels like a few feet away like yeah oh, dude just walk over yeah hand it to them and leave <laughs> Iceman is very extra in his um attempts to do regular things uh yes <laughs> <laughs> just very normal things can't just do normal things <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> Um, well, immediately after they have stopped these jewel thieves, um, as if that weren't enough for the for the day, uh, they spot a plane and decide something must be very wrong because this plane is flying in a storm. Um, cut to the plane, and we see a man apologizing to the pilot for you guessed it, flying through a storm because that's dangerous. Um, But he claims that they, you know, he had to leave because he needed to get away from the sanitarium immediately. And so right off the bat, you're like, oh, okay. (laughs) This is a guy who's leaving a sanitarium, which is 
interesting. And then we realize, guess who? It's Norman Osborn. Okay, so I guess that makes some sense. <laughs> he uh, he goes on to to tell this pilot, they let me out. I'm cured. I can be Norman Osborn again. Not that that other creature. And you're like, mm. Mm, okay, okay, we see you. Mm. <laughs> like, this is what's going to be happening today. <laughs> also, a, a very sane thing to do that a very sane person would do is immediately running out of the sanitarium and flying a plane in a storm, you know. Yeah, he's <laughs> cured. <laughs> he's very cured. <laughs> <sighs> okay, well, as expected, the plane is struck by that lightning. <laughs> of course. Um, Osborne and the pilot have to bail. They jump out, they parachute to safety, and the plane Good crashes. thing they were wearing parachute already right right very <laughs> lucky on their part <laughs> i very much expected they were going to jump out of that plane and then in like you know introduce spider-man and iceman <laughs> i guess because there's really not any sort of like follow-up i don't think from spider-man and iceman seeing that plane right no. like they see it and they don't do anything <laughs> yeah like oh that plane should be up there anyway to the party <laughs> <laughs> yes not like we're su- some superheroes should probably help them anyway mm-hmm. yeah good thing we're not the only ones here <laughs> yeah well we see osborne land um and of course we realized he is not cured at all cured cured of being the green goblin never and he transforms because this version of the green goblin is him actually like literally transforming into a green goblin yes it's a sort of a jekyll hyde type of thing not a costume type of thing yeah yeah um question i am curious to get your interpretation on this this is sort of jumping to the end of the episode a little bit but green goblin does not stay green goblin from beginning to end of this or i guess from transformation to end of the episode so we know that it's a transformation back and forth in some way shape or form Mm -hmm. do you think that the lightning and or crash somehow prompted this or are we just to believe that he was never cured to begin with and this is what was going to happen I assumed it was the trauma from from falling and, okay. and like all the stress and everything. I I, I just kind of took it as they're basically just doing like a lizard slash Incredible Hulk Hulk thing where it's like he's under extreme duress and that makes his dark side come out. Yeah, that's kind of what I want it to be. I like yeah. that better than just like he was never cured. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I guess technically he also was never cured if if he's that, able to that's turn fair. into him. Both are true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Keep him away from all electrical outlets. Right. <laughs> well, we cut back to the Parker residence. It's cool that even though it's like technically between commercial, they do a nice match cut from the Green Goblins, like close up on his green face to this green mask that Ms. Lion is wearing. Oh, yeah, um, that's right. <laughs> it's really neat. I mean, it's unnecessary because, again, we're watching it without commercials, but they made it with commercials. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. But it, it is just Ms. Lion, our friendly dog, uh, wearing a green mask. Um, everyone's getting ready for a Halloween party. We meet Angelica, we meet Aunt May, and we meet Mona, um, also known as Mona Osborne. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so the girls are waiting for Peter and Bobby to return so they can go to this um, comic book superhero costume party. Right. Because comic- Firestar wasn't with them. Right. I just want to point that out. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I also like the implication that real life superheroes that exist are also referred to as comic book superheroes. 
Wait, yeah, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> oh yeah, that bugged me <laughs> for a minute one. <laughs> because they, they sometimes, say that times. yeah, sometimes there are properties where the characters in that universe end up having comics made about them, but they usually like go out of their way to like show that. Like, uh, like current example, Umbrella Academy. That happens in there where it's like we were famous and they made comic books about us. Right. But this is just. Uh, I don't think that's what this was. <laughs> No, that's just like the name. Maybe comic mm-hmm. books are something completely different in this universe. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Well, yes. I didn't see an Archie or a Veronica at that at that dance, so uh Yeah. Huh. Hmm. Yeah. Well comic book superhero party specifically is what well, oh, true. I to are you as, saying so. that Archie is not a superhero? <laughs> Jughead, I would say is. Okay. Uh but <laughs> uh, <laughs> Anyway, well, to the to the dismay of Aunt May, uh, Angelica is wearing a Spider-Woman costume, um, which Angelica describes to Aunt May as an inside joke between her and Peter. And Mona's just, like, not paying attention to any of this weirdness and is just planning to, it intend, uh, eight, planning to attend as the inhuman Medusa. As someone who never watched this show and doesn't know Angelica Jones... I was so confused that Spider-Woman right. was on screen. What a what a like gutsy move to do for your very first episode that you're introducing all of these characters, especially a brand new character, and they're all wearing superhero costumes of other superheroes that yeah. don't appear in this episode, but still exist in the world of this show. Yeah. I <laughs> paused the episode <laughs> and was like, I didn't realize I was going to need to add Spider-Man or Spider-Woman to my notes. <laughs> And was like, who voiced Spider-Woman? I don't know. And then couldn't find it and was like, wait a second, something weird is going on here. <laughs> and right. then played the episode and understood. But yeah, that was very yes. confusing to me. Yes. There's something very <laughs> surreal about later when we see Spider-Woman transforming into Firestar. Like, yes. Yes. <laughs> and, and Captain America transforming into Iceman. Like, right. Because in this series, they transform. They don't switch costumes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, okay, so that was the thing. <laughs> Bobby and Peter do end up returning to the Parker residence already in costume. Um, we see that Bobby is going as Captain America, and we see that s- <laughs> that Peter is going as Spider-Man. Um, but he's not wearing his Spider-Man costume. He's wearing a Spider-Man costume that fits him very poorly. <laughs> right. <laughs> Interesting choice. Makes sense, yeah. I guess. Um, yeah. And I like Angelica says, it's about time, turkeys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what is that? <laughs> there's a lot of lines like that in the show <laughs> that's true that's true they, they the three of them make fun of each other constantly yeah constantly throughout the, the show <laughs> weirdest ways yes yes uh lots of nicknames uh and pet names and insults thrown at each other <laughs> throughout these 24 minutes yes um well they, they end up at the costume party where everyone is dressed as either a superhero or a supervillain. i tried to jot down as many of them as i could identify just because i thought that was fun mm. um so at the party we see that there is a vision and scarlet witch dancing with each other which i thought was very cute Ooh, yeah. um there's a doctor strange an incredible hulk namor is there um there's a black panther costume a Thing costume, a Thor costume. There are many Spider-Men, one of which is Chubby. There is also a Chubby Iceman, which is fun. I love it. Um, There is a Daredevil at one point, and some other ones that I wasn't confident about, but think I might have seen, just because it's it's tough to identify some of the costumes for background characters. I think there was a Jean Grey. I think there was a Storm. I'm not sure if the character with wings was Wasp, but I think it was. There might have been a Power Man in there, but he wasn't wearing a yellow shirt, so that was hard to determine. Hmm. And there might have been a Kitty Pride as well. 
oh wow what a cool like assortment like they did some yeah i mean they're not deep cuts anymore everyone knows all of these people right. but like at the time for most people these were kind of deep cuts like that's really yeah. awesome yeah it, it's it's cool i i uh you know, I tried not to get like bogged down by like researching like seventies versions of these characters' costumes, but I very easily could have. Yeah, because <laughs> there were a lot of characters I just didn't I didn't even know. You know yeah. where to start. Um, there like might have been a Hercules in there, but I don't know. Any, I don't know nearly enough about Marvel's Hercules to know if that's what I was looking at. Uh, yeah, me either. <laughs> no clue. Uh, I feel like I should, but I don't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you did more more work on that part than I did. So. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was cool. That's really cool. It, it's really because I saw Vision and Scarlet Witch dance and thought that was adorable that i was like now i want to see who else is in here yeah yeah oh that's so cool i love it yeah, yeah. <laughs> also in the party are these weird like fake goblin decorations that are flying way too low and are way too dangerous but and and look completely authentic they're flying back and forth but uh speed uh, they recognize that they're fake but then peter's spider sense does activate and he's like well those goblins might be fake but something's turning my spider sense on i recognize that voice Ooh, where have we heard that one before <laughs> oh, <weird. laughs> that was fun yeah <laughs> i didn't realize that this was the episode it came from so that's cool. <laughs> i had no idea so i was like ah geeking out <laughs> yeah um yeah well in a wow very remarkable moment of terrible luck peter starts getting hit on by a woman like peter parker often is of course um, irresistible a, peter parker yes he's hit on by this woman at the party um he's very annoying mm-hmm. he and this is like happening right as his spider sense is going off he wants to investigate it this whole thing is kind of weird because like he's like i need to check something in the lab and i'm like well did he did angelica hear him say his spider sense was going off so she knows that peter's going off to investigate spider-man things i don't think she thought that because then she's just like she's she's just like well what's going on and she notices like the 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 lady running after him so then she like makes the steam to follow the woman and mess up her hair and makeup i this whole thing is weird. It's I, very, ex- very confusing. Yeah. I watched it a couple times. It doesn't become clearer because there are actually a few ways that it could be read, but none of none of the ways line up fully at all. So right. Peter is hit on by this woman who's in a costume I didn't recognize. I don't know if it's a character. I'm assuming it must be, but I just don't recognize it. And right after she hits on him, he says, oh, well, I need to go investigate something in the lab, which could be a result of the spider sense it could be that he's weirded out by this girl and needs to leave it could be that he's turned on by this girl and quote (laughs) needs to leave you know what i mean yeah so at first like just that you're like oh that's a weird weird thing i I wonder where that's gonna go but then the woman that was hitting on him heard him say that his spider sense was being quote turned on which is why she hits on him in the first place because she's like says something about him turning her on or something like that so she was close enough to hear it but then Angelica should have been close enough to hear it, but gets mad at the girl for hitting on Peter and messes up her hair and makeup. So I'm not really sure. Yeah. What, what sort of clarifies it a little bit is that the woman pursues Peter and Peter is very clearly trying to get away from her. So that eliminates at least one possibility, right? Like Peter wasn't into it, but we don't know if he's trying to get away from her because he's annoyed or if he just can't have someone follow him. Most likely the latter of the two things. Yeah. So luckily Angelica messed up the girl's hair because the only way that Peter's able to get away is because she notices that her hair is messed up. Mm -hmm. It's really like 
a confusing sort of thing where they, I think they were like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if, you know, this girl was following him around, but then we're like, I don't know how we're supposed to get her away from him. So let's have Angelica do this thing. I don't know. It's, (laughs) (laughs) well, it's it's very unclear and it's very messy. (laughs) Yeah. It's also funny where it's just like, this whole show was like, well, we're, we're going to be like feminism. Yay. And then it's just like, oh, wow. Aren't all girls like, look at these jealous bitches. Like, (laughs) oh no, her hair and makeup. She's so vain. Like. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> I know how I'll get to her. <laughs> right. It's also, weird. there is nothing that has indicated thus far that Angelica and Peter are an item. So Angelica being jealous is not even remotely understandable in the context that they're providing. Yeah, well, Earl... Like, could... she can be jealous even if they're not an item, but mm-hmm. it would at least make more sense if they were a thing or it's been established that they're a thing because then she could at least i don't know it still doesn't make sense because peter didn't do anything yeah but there's like a weird there's like a weird attraction triangle happening right oh absolutely i think that's a thing that is carried pretty heavily on this show between between the main trio honestly like angelica is into peter and bobby's into angelica yeah so all we need is peter being into bobby Uh, yeah well yeah (laughs) i think i think I think Bobby is is into Peter, but he's, like, compensating a lot because he's very, like, he, well, anyway. <laughs> well, and, and, hey, in 2019, we have more context. So. Right, exactly. <laughs> I think a lot of his actions in this episode makes, like, works better if you look at it through the lens that he's just in deep, deep denial and way overly compensating. So <laughs> I think, actually, you're very right. <laughs> no, totally. Very much so. <laughs> we'll, get to, we'll get to that later. Yes. Um, All right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that that whole thing is weird, but regardless, Peter does eventually end up into this lab, which I don't know if his spider sense was leading him there or why he ends up drawn to this lab, but he ends up in, in a lab in his correct Spider-Man costume now. He did sense, did sense the danger. Of course, luckily or unluckily, Green Goblin is there in the lab. He's re- trying to retrieve his Green Goblin inventions. I don't know why they're stored in this school. Like, I don't know if he was a teacher in this continuity or something. Yeah, there, they don't explain that. They they give all. us a little flashback where he's in that lab, I assume. Mm-hmm. But we don't know why. Yeah, but he discovers his formula is missing, um, which prompts his whole flashback, right? So we, I, I do like how they present this because we get this really nice zoom in on his face and then in like his giant drawn eye. Like yeah. that, that turns into like the, the frame of this flashback where he's recapping like when I was Norman Osborn, I was doing experiments and then an explosion happened from my experiments that ter- gave me superpowers and turned me into the Green Goblin. Like basic stuff, but it's presented really, it's presented very neatly, straightforwardly. And the way that it's like framed in his eye is really cool. Yeah. Which is a nice touch. Yeah. Very concise too. Yeah. Much shorter concise. than I would have expected the flashback to be. Right. I mean, to be fair, like they're not really doing a lot of the layered stuff that you normally yeah. get from Norman Osborn. So it's pretty much like scientists caught an explosion experiment. He's a bad guy now. <laughs> That's all you need. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Well then, uh, uh, I don't know what to make of this. Oh God. <laughs> um, so after the flashback, which is totally normal and concise and makes perfect sense and it's neat. Green Goblin introduces something called the Future Finder, which is basically a crown, like gold, jewels, all that, um, which allows him to maybe see or just show the future. Unclear. Goblin's plan is to use his formula that he's looking for to turn the people of New York into goblins like him, which he describes as ugly, grotesque, and horrific. Um, He doesn't just... tell this to peter or to spider-man rather he uses the future finder to show it to (laughs) spider-man 
I don't know why. I don't get it. What is the future finder? What is it? I don't know because, spoiler alert, it doesn't matter later. Yeah, not at all. He doesn't explain what it is. It doesn't, like, do anything other than provide this hologram. Like, it's like... And a really great screenshot. Uh, yes. That's oh, it. it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, my, I wonder if it was, like, this weird case where they're like, well, we want... We don't want him just telling his plan. We want him to show what these other goblins are going to look like. We have these really cool like, goblin designs, what other people would look like as a goblin. But like, well, how are we going to show it? Does he project it? Uh, that's kind of boring. Maybe it's a future finder that peers into the future to show what the possible future is. But it looks like it's just a projection. Like, why didn't he just show him pictures from his schematics? That would have made just as much sense, more sense than a future finder. Yeah. I don't know. I would. I like the idea that it's literally just a projector he's wearing on his head that he calls the future finder because <laughs> that would true. be brilliant. That's true. Um, but that's definitely not what they intended. I don't yeah. fully understand what they conceptualized this to be. <laughs> but I also think they probably weren't thinking about the ramifications of projecting a vision of the future <laughs> in the same way that we do in 2019, given the properties that we have consumed. Yeah. <laughs> I will say... The so the Met Gala was last night, and I'm just thinking Green Goblin show <laughs> Green Goblin costume showing up with that Future Finder on, especially if like it can just project random images, like so perfect for that. <laughs> so I just want you to know, <laughs> I wasn't gonna bring up the Met Gala. I've done my best not to bring up the Met Gala <laughs> because once I once it's once it's out there, it's like just like tons of thought vomit. But I love the Met Gala so much. Seriously. And that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Now I've gotten a little bit of that out of my system. <laughs> cool. Cool. Thank you, Green Goblin and your future finder. <laughs> yes, for allowing me to proclaim my love for the Met Gala on a podcast. <laughs> Okay, well, that happens, right? The Future Finder exists. We don't know why, but it's there. It's a thing. And uh, he wears it. So while that is happening, um, there is a realization at the party that Mona, who we have only been introduced thus far to as Mona, is in fact Norman Osborn's niece. So like you said, Mona Osborn. Um, But that she somehow doesn't know that... Her uncle is Green Goblin, right? So that's a thing in this universe. People don't know that they're one and the same, or at least not everybody does, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess so. So anyway, there's another weird moment where Bobby hits on Angelica, who then becomes immediately distracted by, quote, that jungle rabbit who was after Peter because she says they're not together, which is strange. So this further complicates everything, right? Yeah. So that means that she didn't, he, she somehow didn't hear Peter say his spider sense was going on off i guess and really just thought that peter was just trying to run off with that lady or that i don't know right. man i don't know, right man. so i think she thought that him saying he needed to uh investigate the lab was him leaving with this girl yeah i don't know yeah. whatever in any case <laughs> it all exists to allow us to learn <laughs> that mona is norman osborne's niece and to make Angelica suspicious of where Peter is. So Angelica runs off to search for Peter. That is the uh, point of this scene, despite all the extra stuff. (laughs) Which, it's still still confusing to me because she doesn't tell Bobby, who is her, like, partner in superheroing, knows her secret identity. She doesn't say that to Bobby. She's just like, oh, no, what's going on with Peter? And just runs off. And Bobby's just like, well, excuse me. Like, why wouldn't you just say, I think Peter might be in trouble. Come with me, Iceman. Like, (laughs) yeah, I don't know. 
I have no idea. Especially because they're just talking about Mona and Green Goblin. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Whatever. It cuts away just long enough for Angelica to leave the party without Iceman for some reason to search for Peter. So then it cuts back to the lab where Green Goblin recalls that his niece, Mona, uh is a student at the school. So she must... This makes no sense to me either. She (laughs) must know where the formula has been hidden because she goes to this school. (laughs) Uh, yeah what so help you me do- understand <laughs> you don't know okay okay um maybe so maybe she <laughs> knew she knew that her her uncle norman had some like mental issues it was going to a sanitarium she just didn't know he was green goblin and maybe it's like he maybe she was like he was probably committed um, and she was like, oh, my uncle is having some mental issues. Well, he can't keep his stuff at the school where he, I guess, teaches or works or something. So I'm his only, maybe his only living relative. So I'm in charge of like storing it somewhere else while he's been committed because of this issue that I don't know what it is. <laughs> hmm. Right? <laughs> That's my best explanation. A little messy, Not your but... strongest headcanon, <laughs> but better than what the show did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that's his thing. I don't know. So Angelica runs off to search for Peter, and Green Goblin decides he must find Mona. This all times out properly so that he can hear Angelica arriving, not knowing who she is or what she can do or anything like that. But he hears that someone is calling out... um, for spider-man um and so he's like this is perfect i will get out of here and i will set up a trap for you spider-man and whoever it is that is coming to get you yeah (laughs) (laughs) so okay i'm just gonna go into how this trap plays out because it makes like less sense as it goes along (laughs) so there's just there's this nitrogen canister that's like (laughs) attached to a string so that i guess if the door is open that'll set it off right in theory, it would hit Spider-Man because he's paralyzed, and I guess it would hit Spider-Man and the person behind him. What it seems to me is what happens is that Spider-Man, it looks like he's starting to rock, so I guess he's becoming kind of free of the paralyzation ray or whatever, is able to rock out of the way because he falls to the ground as Firestar opens the door and like sets off the nitrogen. What makes this all really muddy, though, is that, like, the way that she blocks the nitrogen spouting out at her is by, like, going heat shield and then just, like, forming that. But it takes a very long, very long time for that whole sequence and heat shield to pop up um, before this ray eventually hits her. And then it still makes no (laughs) sense because she's just standing there with her heat shield going on with... I'm sorry, it's not like a magical ray. It's literally just liquid nitrogen shooting out of a canister. Move out of the way. Walk she to the side. can't walk and make a shield at the same time. But she doesn't have to. She could just like, <laughs> she could just jump. Like, it's not like, uh, I don't. <laughs> but because of this, it's shooting through her heat shield, slowly bringing it down, slowly starting to freeze her i guess but at the same time her heat it just so happens to be like eliminating the freeze ray or the 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 paralyzation ray that was paralyzing spider-man and so the (laughs) way that they get out of this is by spider-man just closing the nozzle on the liquid nitrogen right like what you could have moved out of the way what are you doing this is okay these past few scenes is really i think i wonder if this will continue throughout the show (laughs) like throughout the series The things that they're doing make sense, but it's almost like they're trying just a little too hard to make things, like, clever. And they don't need to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you don't need 
for Angelica to have this reason to search for Peter, if Peter's missing from the party for long enough, that's enough of a reason. Hey, Peter's been gone for a long time. I'm going to go see where he went. <laughs> like, that's enough. Yeah. You know, the trap that Green Goblin sets up is just like totally ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So ridiculous that I don't, I still don't even know if the liquid nitrogen was supposed to hit Spider-Man or it was supposed to hit the person walking through the door. Yeah. Because at first it seemed like, oh, okay, the door, like my first thought, here was what my first thought was. My first thought was, okay, so somehow he's rigged it so that the liquid nitrogen will freeze Spider-Man and then opening the door will shatter Spider-Man. And then I was like, wait, no, that doesn't make sense because what's going to set off the liquid nitrogen? So then I was like, okay, so somehow opening the door will knock Spider-Man out of the way and freeze the person opening the door. But then it didn't appear that Spider-Man was knocked out of the way by the door. So I don't... Like, I don't this is very confusing. I just don't understand. <laughs> yeah, and I think part of it too is that they're scripting this to be like, oh, well, this is going to look really cool. It's really clever, but they aren't working within the limitations of what they can do animation-wise. Yeah. This is clearly a very cheaply made show. It doesn't necessarily look bad all the time. Like, it looks like how I kind of expected it to look. But they don't have the capabilities to do these really, like, I guess they're supposed to be very elaborate sequences. And the show itself is also really slowly paced. So you have (laughs) these really, like, just slow animations for things that are supposed to be kind of firing off and happening at the same time. And it ends up just being like, wait, so when did that happen? Why? Did when did she put up her heat shield? Did he set it off? Where is yeah. the where is the nitrogen? What's happening? Like, yeah, they're not working it's, within their own limitations. Really. Yeah, and it, what's wild though is like their limitations aren't preventing them from telling a cohesive good story. True, like they're purposely <laughs> going outside their limitations and don't need to. You know, it's not like it's not like they had this amazing plan and the limitations were was the only thing standing in the way. Like they didn't really have an amazing plan to begin with. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think, you know, maybe if the maybe if the animation was better, I would understand it, but I'm not willing to to really land on that. Yeah. No, I'd agree with you. I think the animation would help. It just ma- I think the animation yeah. just makes it even more confusing what's happening most of the yeah, time. Yeah, it really, like, highlights the confusion of, of some of these moments. Yeah. Um, like the, you know, Peter running off moment and this moment. Exactly. Luckily, <laughs> there aren't too many other moments like that. I mean, the, the episode isn't, like, a hot mess. It's just these little bits that are just sort of like, why? Why did you do that? Yeah. yeah <laughs> definitely. It's, all, it's very, very messy, <laughs> yeah. this section here. <laughs> yeah, so... That happens. They're able to get everything. They're able to, to save themselves from this strange plot. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so they they um, they set off to find Mona before Goblin can. Um, where Mona is is with Bobby. Um, <laughs> Bobby's talking to her. They're walking through a nearby park. And Bobby's like, so would you rather live on a hot island like Hawaii or somewhere beautiful <laughs> like Iceland? <laughs> trying too hard. Trying too hard. Trying too hard. Trying too hard. This is what I'm talking about. He's he's yep. in deep denial. He is compensating so hard. Yep. Like I'm I, such I'm such a man. I'm very I'm very <laughs> into you, a woman. <laughs> I like this because I've I've not seen this show, so this will officially like color my perspective of the entire <laughs> show moving forward, and I'm pumped oh, yes. about it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's happening. Uh Goblin, of course, shows up and kidnapped god she kidnaps mona like right under bobby's nose bobby the superhero iceman the dumbass superhero iceman he literally 
like sees the goblin goblin's like may i have this dance or whatever and mona's like no i'm screaming and he's like oh yeah sure you can have it you're <laughs> a person in a costume and sure. or one of those props from the party something like that and like it's not until goblin's like way off into the horizon way too far to like catch that bobby's like huh wire rigging wouldn't work like that yeah that, <laughs> we're outside think... I don't that's, think... that's the thing that gets me is <laughs> he realizes it's a real goblin because he remembers they're outside. Right. <laughs> like he forgot they were outside. <laughs> like, man, I don't know if a student, a student couldn't invent like a real flying glider like that. Could they? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Which of course is when Spider-Man and Firestar show up and they're like, uh, dude, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, what are you doing, man? <laughs> <sighs> yeah, well, <laughs> they team up. Bobby goes through his, his Sentai transformation into Iceman. Can we talk about that? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, really cool. It. I, it is, it is. It, I don't know if there is a precedent for that. I don't know if that's a thing that already existed, that transformation sequence, but I thought the same thing. I was like, oh my gosh, this is like his henshin. Yeah. Like, yeah. he should be shouting out, you know, common Rider words, and, like, stuff should be flying around him. Mm-hmm. I know Firestar has one, too. Like, we, we didn't, they didn't really cut to it in this yeah. one, but, like, the, the ones that are in the opening sequence, I know that they recycled a bunch of times mm-hmm. so yeah no i love it i think it's really i think it's really neat and it kind of gives this show a little bit of a unique flair to it too yeah yeah and if you're if you're listening without having watched the episode which <laughs> thanks go watch the episode by the way but no what it is is like he basically freezes himself in sort of like a pillar from the ground up and then is sort of like frozen in his own ice pillar and then like shatter like flex shatters out of it <laughs> yeah it's really, it's really- I like it. I really, really like it. I like it a lot. And it's like that particular, like, it doesn't make any damn sense that it would work like that. And no. it's like, it doesn't matter because that's what, like, a henshin is. <laughs> but also, like, here's the thing. If you're Iceman, that power exists in you all the time. So, like, why not do something awesome? Seriously. It's totally unnecessary, but Goblin's already gone. So, do it up. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Well, they reconvene. They, uh, they, they, um, uh, they, they figure out what the plan is for it. Um, I like, um. <laughs> <laughs> After Bobby does a dumb thing again. <laughs> <laughs> he like transforms and he's like all right let's go i'm gonna beat you both there and oh, then God, like slides off and like does his little Iceman thing and then the two of them just stand there and i was like why aren't they moving and then he comes back and it's like wait where are we going <laughs> oh god it's so funny i'm glad at least they're like they're they're embracing it for humor in the right way yeah. at certain times sometimes it's like if you're gonna make your plot device bobby is an idiot like that sucks but i yeah. like it when it's actually played for laughs where spider-man and firestar can be like oh my god can yes. we can we not right now <laughs> in those moments it's great yeah, yeah you like that's the perfect uh perfect way to put it and probably more organized than i was already thinking about it when it's a plot device i don't love it when it's just humor i'm super into it yeah yeah because he is he is legit funny like frank welker has really good delivery yeah. and both like uh firestar and spider-man like they they do the exasperated like or uh, <laughs> idiot reactions very yeah. well i don't know what it is about like frank welker's delivery but he just like sells those sort of like airhead moments Mm -hmm. so well because he does it with fred sometimes too you know oh yeah and it's just so it's so funny and i wonder how much of it is already having 
that association with Fred Jones, but it's just it's so funny. It cracks me up. Yeah, it's so really good. good. At it. <laughs> well, they they uh, they end up splitting up to cover more ground because they didn't really see where Green Goblin went. So Spider-Man ends up heading to the old Osborne factory. Bobby is instructed to go to Oscorp HQ and Firestar decides to go to Mona's home. So that's sort of their plan. And then once they have their plan, they have a little like Avengers Assemble style shout out thing. It's okay. It's, it's not my... fine. <laughs> it's, it's like hmm, they have like the checklist of all of the really cool phrases that was like taken, taken, yeah. taken. Mm, spider friends, go for it. <laughs> Which I can't help but think of. You know, on the topic of Sentai. I can't help but think of the Tokyuger theme song, which is literally go for it. And like they shout go for it and then shout go, go, go. <laughs> so now I want that to happen every time they shout this and it yeah. won't. Oh, Maybe I'll no. splice that in for myself. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, alone without that, you know, wonderful Sentai context, it's sort of it's it's middling. It's not the worst one I've ever heard. Right. Uh, well, they could have they could have done worse. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if I've necessarily heard worse, but I know that they could have done worse. <laughs> yeah, I can't I can't think of one that's worse off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they ha- after that, yeah, we cut to the factory uh, where the Green Goblin has Mona tied up. Um, she's like, you remind me of someone I know. <laughs> Which, uh, really? What's the point? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because, no, spoiler alert, doesn't go anywhere. She never no. figures it out. No. Um, <laughs> I guess they're just trying to be like, in case you forgot, yeah. he's her uncle. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, he's uh Green Goblin has the formula. He wants to give it to Mona to test it out. Spider-Man arrives. Um he knows that he's in the right place because he finds the future finder. Oh, that's what it's for. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Big clue. Yeah. So yep. Um, but anyway, he still sets off on alarm. Goblin figures out, already knows that he's there and has a extremely elaborate trap. I don't know how he had <laughs> time or money or anything to set all of this up so quickly, but it's a very elaborate trap. That's and a very like, well-placed trap. Extremely well-placed because it's like four or five, I guess, walls that fall onto Spider-Man and surround him. They're all booby-trapped, and it somehow has a dropout floor that's like, a, and he calls it a Spider-Man disposal unit. It's literally like razor teeth opening up <laughs> in a big hole on the floor. How did yep. you do this? How did you build that into your factory? Right? You're not Mysterio. We're not believing it just yet. Yeah. It's, it's 100% <laughs> a Mysterio thing. Oh, for sure. <laughs> but on, on these walls, there's fire, there's oil, and I like like when... Uh, 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 I like um, Dan's uh, delivery of like when he's on the wall that starts. It's not fire; it's heat, I guess. Yeah. When he's on the wall that like heats up, and and, he, and Goblin's like, "You can stick to anything," and he's like, "Annie, ow, hey!" Yeah, like, that I love that. That was really <laughs> it's good. So good. He has such he has such, these great like so funny line deliveries. I love it. And then there's another instance of green gas that kind of doesn't do anything. Gas shoots out that's specified as sleeping gas. Spider-Man doesn't seem to go to sleep. He just like yeah kind of falls but i don't know if he was falling he's on like purpose. annoyed by it but that's yeah. pretty much it <laughs> yeah he's like oh sleeping gas that does it and like okay <laughs> anyway <laughs> but yeah he he falls to the disposal unit but he webs it up so he doesn't get caught in it which goblin should have accounted for yeah he just um, kind of like jams up the jaws i guess yeah. <laughs> and then he just breaks through the doors so yeah he like rips the door off yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> Seems like very easy to do. Yeah, I mean, I guess he Goblin didn't have that much time to set this all up, so it wasn't True. perfect. It True. was elaborate, but it wasn't perfect. <laughs> well, um, after he manages to escape this, I'm not really sure what the floor plan of this factory is. <laughs> but he he's away now that he's gotten through those jaws. Um, and he makes his way up to a room where he hears, I believe he hears Mona shouting. So he makes his way towards where he hears that and finds the room that Goblin is keeping Mona tied up in. So, um, he webs the formula that Goblin has in his hands out of Goblin's hands and unties Mona. From there, Goblin just sort of flies off. Like instead of fighting, he decides to make an escape, but Spider-Man hitches a ride via web shooter. So Mm -hmm. he is, I think this is the first time in this episode where he's flying around on the glider. Yeah, yeah. But we're used to seeing stuff like that, so. Yeah. I also want to add that Goblin proclaims that he plans to, he has enough of the formula to take it to New York, (laughs) New Jersey, Philadelphia, Washington. Jump on it. Jump on it. (laughs) What assortment. And then Spidey's like, well, I better stop him before he hits Anaheim, Mazuza, and Cucamonga. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. Yeah, there are lots of very strange, humorous lines in, <laughs> in this episode, and probably this whole series. It's a very distinct brand of to humor. It. Yeah, yeah. Me too. <laughs> but it doesn't feel uncharacteristic of Spider-Man. Like, it doesn't feel uh-huh. like a wildly different brand of humor than what we just watched in the 90s show. Like, yes. it's obviously different because it's, you know, two dec- or a uh, decade and a half before, but it's not that different. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, with Spider-Man in tow, Goblin flies throughout the city, um, obviously trying to shake him, but Spider-Man manages to do some fancy web gymnastics to get on the front of Goblin's glider, um, where they proceed to, uh, make out, maybe, a bunch? Or fight, (laughs) unclear, um, until Goblin is able to toss Spider-Man off of the glider towards Central Park. Yes, 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 yes. The air battle isn't, like, bad, I feel like, but it's so slow and... And it's hard to like, like, I feel like the actual actions that they're doing could be really cool if it was like set up and directed <laughs> a little bit better. But again, they're working under very limited constraints for animation. I get it. But you've seen like the Kanye and Kim slash Seth Rogen and James Franco, like motorcycle yeah. thing. That's what this looks like. Yeah. <laughs> very much so. <laughs> and they couldn't have known. No. <laughs> but we know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I like that Goblin does point out that they're over Central Park, so there's nothing for him to like sling to, to cling to with his webs, which is yeah, true. I like that. Actually clever. Yeah, yeah, actually clever. Um, something that I got annoyed by a lot when I when I was playing the game. It's like, oh man, I gotta go through Central Park and it's so hard to to, to yeah. get momentum through it. <laughs> you have to get so close to the ground to just like hope you don't die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so with nothing to web sling too, Spider Man's just falling and he is saved by his chum, Iceman. Yeah. <laughs> and this this is weird. Uh, so they land Iceman, of course, as he does, the way he transports is by creating like pads of ice everywhere that eventually (laughs) melts. So (laughs) a police officer is like, (laughs) you can't construct like new things in the Central Park. I'm going to write you a ticket for building a bridge in Central Park, (laughs) I guess, or constructing an ice track for a slide. Like why? Yeah. (laughs) And Firestar is like, uh oh, it's the Trouble Twins. And bails them out by melting the ice, which was going to happen anyway. <laughs> and this cop is so befuddled by all of this is happening. 
but then still like recognizes that they're superheroes because at the end of it he asks for an autograph for his kid so yeah <laughs> he's like quote just doing my job guys and then when he doesn't have to do his job he's like uh autographs please <laughs> right it's like well this unauthorized construction must happen all the time in new york if you know who Iceman is so <laughs> yeah right <laughs> yeah it was a weird little diversion that was just like <laughs> why why <laughs> somebody was really married to that joke and was not letting it go mm-hmm. <laughs> it made its way into the episode one way or the other <laughs> clearly <laughs> Well, it's interesting because then the next scene is literally just the amazing friends like sitting around a fountain brainstorming, <laughs> which I, I really this. thought was, I thought that was really funny. I don't know why I was so amused by that, but they're just like chilling. It's so cute. And they all have their own yeah. little, like, thinking poses. They're just like, what do we do now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they're trying to figure out like, okay, if he has this formula, how is he going to get it to everybody in, in New York? Like he's convinced that's what's going to happen. So how does he do it? Once we know how he's going to do it, we can stop him. Um, and they do figure it out. They figure out that... Um, they're going through it. And they're like, what would you do to get everybody in New York to try it? <laughs> and Iceman's response is advertise it on television. <laughs> uh, I very much look forward to more of Iceman. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, they do eventually determine that, oh yeah, you can put it in the water supply. The reservoir is just like right next to us, I guess. Um, so they're going to go over there again. And then we get another spider friends. Go for it. That's how I knew it was going to be a thing. Yes. Yes. Twice in the first episode. Yep. Um, I also want to add too. I like that. I love their sound effects. I love their, the Firestar sound effects, like the, the, the springy, uh, the springy sparkly sound effects, whatever, however you describe it. Spider-Man's web has a strange sound effect. Yeah, yeah, it does. On the topic of sound effects, it's not like, it's definitely not a thwip. Yeah. It's sort of like a spring almost. That's true. That's true. It is, it is very weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. But, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sound effects and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, they do end up going to that reservoir um, where Goblin has just dumped the formula into the water. And Goblin's like, big deal. I already did it. Like, doesn't matter. You can't really stop me. Um, but Spider-Man hitches another ride on the Goblin Glider. Um, and Firestar instructs Iceman to freeze the reservoir solid because that will stop the formula in its place. Uh, something that Goblin clearly did not do enough research on. <laughs> and I actually think this is like a pretty clever plan because they he's not dumping it into a river. He's not dumping it, you know, into a waterfall or something. He's just dumping it into pretty much sitting water. Yeah. Uh, so this actually would make sense to do. Yeah. Yeah. That It, it does make sense. It's a, it's a cool way to solve it. My only issue is that like it takes so long for them to like realize that, that like, I feel like if they did that, it would... I, I I would I like the I like I would like the urgency of as soon as he did it they're like oh no we're too late yeah last ditch effort freeze the whole thing but like they find out after he like almost like a while after he's done it he's like oh no I already did it and then they're like hmm let's freeze the reservoir and it takes a while for that to happen like, yeah by that's that true. point it would have been more dissipated but again I think that's just like the weird pacing of this show right yeah <laughs> the, the idea is that it just happens they they froze it so it kind of would have been cool if they were like uh during their brainstorming session if they were like he's gonna put it into the water and someone was like oh, the reservoir and then someone else was like oh but how do we stop it and then mm-hmm. they had sort of like a, are you thinking what i'm thinking moment mm-hmm. and then as soon as they arrived firestar just shouted now you know that would be cool yeah. this show would benefit from just like one more rewrite <laughs> yes it just needs a little bit of editing yeah. because they could take some things out and then fill those spaces in with just like some fleshing out of other concepts yes. that are already good just not good enough <laughs> yeah there's a lot of good stuff here it's just it's just messy it's very yeah. messy 
Yeah, yeah. So that's happening. The goblin attacks, attempts to shake Spider-Man off by uh, by running him into telephones and <laughs> telephone and electric wires. Um, Spider-Man's just like, nope, and he bails. Um, at that point, Goblin's already like heading full force towards him, too low. He can't stop himself and runs directly into the wires and and uh, and it gets electrocuted again. Which I think supports <laughs> that idea that the lightning was prompting his transformation right yeah i forgot i had forgotten about this part so yeah you're right i think that that does lend credence to that theory yeah i didn't think about it until just now either that he both transforms into and out of based on being essentially struck by lightning yeah (laughs) so hmm. yeah yeah cool well after that happens (laughs) this is this is gonna be my biggest gripe (laughs) okay i'm so annoyed by this me too (laughs) so They've frozen the reservoir, right? And so Firestar is like, okay, we've done we've done good here. Iceman, go find a police helicopter. Which is weird in and of itself that, like, <laughs> they're just sort of like, <laughs> get a helicopter. <laughs> but he does. So while he's off doing that, she is going to cut through the frozen reservoir water to basically, like, extract the chunk of ice that has the formula in it. Okay, cool, fine, whatever. I'm into it. That's fine. Um, But then the helicopter takes that hunk of frozen formula and flies it over a sewer drain that Firestar then melts the formula into, putting the formula into a sewer, which will make its way into the water. Firestar. (laughs) to put it anywhere why would you literally anywhere else it's a biohazard like give it to scientists (laughs) or something like what are you doing you chose the worst location you have Iceman there he can keep it frozen for however long you need until you find a place to store it but no like oh we want to we want to chill we're bored we want to go home melt it now Uh... who cares no, this bums me out so much because yeah. it's like the other stuff was like, the okay, so there are parts of this episode that are messy, but they end up being messy because they, they almost tried like too hard on something or they tried to make something more complicated or exciting than it needed to be. And so it was sort of like over processing something. This is one of those things where I'm like, why did you guys do this? This is stupid. <laughs> this is like just actually a stupid thing you've done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like, and it's just like, it's still kind of overwritten though. Cause you could have very, instead of even having the whole process of Firestar melting it, they could well, just that's true. Like, let's give it to the cops like right. it wouldn't really make sense but like you could buy it it's just like whatever whatever they figure out to do with it happens yeah. off screen it doesn't matter we don't care what they do with the goblin formula <laughs> we know there's a way to store a liquid formula somewhere like that happens. right yeah like, it, why did you need to do this i don't know i don't know oh it's so it's uh it's <laughs> this is like egregious <laughs> yeah it's a real bummer <laughs> uh, uh, i don't know i don't get it don't get it <laughs> i saw that and was like what are you doing know, they I had know. to have known in 1981 right that like the water that goes into the sewer is processed and then put back into the system i'd hope so maybe they didn't. or it goes directly into the river <laughs> yeah like, which is where do you not think... good <laughs> where do they think the sewer water goes <laughs> maybe this whole series ends with the evap like the evaporation of that river into the clouds and then it rains <laughs> down upon new york city oh, and God. goblin the whole series just ends with goblin like looking out of his sanitarium window at all of the goblins that now exist on manhattan island and he just like laughs and then it fades to black Ugh, bleak <laughs> <laughs> ahead of its time really yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
Oof. I look forward to that uh, series finale. Yeah, because you know that that definitely happens. <laughs> sure, <laughs> uh, it happens in my universe because that's what would happen. <laughs> All right. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, back in the park, um, we find the goblins verted himself back into Norman Osborn. Um, he looks really dopey, like when he's in his costume, but without the green skin. Like <laughs> so weird. <laughs> yeah. Goblin outfit, but. He's reverted back to Norman Osborn. He he's like, I have amnesia again. Oh, thank goodness. He doesn't remember anything. Do you um, buy it? <laughs> I like my version of Norman Osborn in my head that I love. I think it would totally be his manipulation. Like whenever he wants to get off scot-free, he just pretends he has amnesia. Yeah, and what like, happened? Oh. <laughs> right. But yeah, so he claims to have amnesia. Um, and he agrees to commit himself back to the sanitarium again until he's cured for good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cured sure. for good. Whatever you say. Iceman's a real dick in this because <laughs> Norman Osborn, if we're to believe that he is back to having amnesia and he's just a good man who's been caught in a bad exper- experiment, he's like just coming out of this like another traumatic episode that he's having. And he's like, what happened? Like, did I, did he become him again? Like clearly terrified. And Iceman's like, if you went on stage, you could sing a duet with yourself. Like, dude, mm-hmm. bad timing. Read the room, buddy. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not great. Iceman, not great. Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, the episode does end at the Parker residence. They don't end it uh, with Norman Osborn. We get sort of like a nice little bow at the end. Um, well, it's not even really a nice bow. It's kind of kind of a bummer of a bow. <laughs> <laughs> but Mona is recounting the story of being saved by Spider-Man. She's very excited um, that she was saved by Spider-Man, the superhero. Iceman takes a shot at Spider-Man, which is pretty normal. But then Firestar Firestar, and Aunt, uh, Aunt May really sort of just pile on. Oh my god, um, And just like hate on Spider-Man. And uh, yeah, that's uh, almost how it ends. Uh, if it weren't for a little bit of Ms. Lion action at the end, yeah. um, that's how we would end the episode with Aunt May slinging like eight insults at Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> the slightly more positive note we ended on is that Peter Peter uh, bribes Miss Lion for a positive review with a dog treat. Like, oh, pretty you, much. You love Spider-Man, right? And then she conspicuously jumps on Peter Parker, who is secretly Spider-Man, as we all know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then a lot of like uh, uh, fire. Our uh, uh, Angelica's like, like shaking her head no, like oh those guys. And Peter Parker winks. And I'm sure Mona's watching all this and being like, what is what? What, these, what are they talking about? What's guys, happening? What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. It's interesting <laughs> that Mona isn't a major character in this series because I think it would actually be kind of interesting if like their their next best friend knew nothing. <laughs> yeah, it would. It would be a yeah, it would be a really interesting wrinkle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that would be interesting actually. But Aunt May is there, so I guess that's gonna provide probably some of that. I guess so. <laughs> I feel like she's <laughs> just gonna be like, Where'd they go? I don't know. I hate Spider Man. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Right. <laughs> gonna be it (laughs) (sighs) (sighs) okay before we get to final thoughts we have many many faces from this episode (laughs) i like the faces in these episodes i I think i'm gonna enjoy uh a lot of the the screen grabs from this series (laughs) yes yes okay um the first one that i pulled out that i was like i didn't know if i wanted to use it but i had to use it it's not a character's face 
but it appears multiple times and it's going to haunt me for the rest of my life. I there, love it so much. Oh boy, I don't I don't even know how to describe this. There's like a billboard. It's like a matte painted billboard because it's technically part of the background, so it already yeah. looks kind of off-putting. It's a billboard that says "Eat Crackle Oats" and it's, it's <laughs> an advertisement for cereal, and it is this this haunting face of this child, this freckled child with like like a, a Chucky from Child's Play kind of very smile, like an evil ventriloquist style doll uh-huh. kind of smile, um, baring his teeth at you. There's like. This creepy, like, bags under his eyes, like these blues under his eyes that he looks so <laughs> tired and he looks demented and he will he will eat the flesh off of your bones. <laughs> so here's what I loved about it, because it's it's it looks. Yeah, it looks like a ventriloquist dummy. But instead of seeing bags under his eyes, to me, it looks like he's tearing up. Oh, like God. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't want to be here in this in this photo shoot like, for the serial. It's very much like Joker gas has <gasps> has like made you into this unnaturally smiling face. But like you can't change the eyes. So you're you're like yes. crying through this like horrific smile. <laughs> that is exactly what it is. Oh, my God. And it's like they show uh, this. They flash. They cut to this while Spider-Man swinging a few times. And later yeah. it almost like crashes into it. So you get like a head on like shot of it. Oh, it's so creepy. It's going to yeah. be in my nightmares for a long time. And if you crop it right, it says eat crack. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> oh, good one. <laughs> I had to pause and stop because I was like, "Did that just say eat crack?" <laughs> it all checks out. Yep. yep. Oh boy. Um, my other choice for it—it's actually the one that's used like on Amazon <laughs> and I think IMDb for like their main image of it. Yeah, it it's, definitely is. <laughs> it's Gabby so pleased and so happy with his beautiful stylish shiny hat the one that he's going to be wearing to the met gala next year um it's just he looks so happy with it and it's such a dopey looking hat on his head but it's so good i love it this is like uh we just took a photo after we told you you're beautiful moment yeah yeah he's so pleased with himself and the coloring's also wrong on his cap so like it's all green (laughs) under it (laughs) oh yeah i didn't even notice that that's so weird (laughs) <laughs> yeah everything about it it's great it's great and he has very sharp yes. teeth too. <laughs> oh very very um and then i just want to give an honorable mention to this strange moment uh from the party it's right after i almost said fred <laughs> <laughs> it's right after bobby like makes a weird move on angelica but it's also the exact moment that angelica is like wait where did peter go um, and when you freeze frame it, it's just like Bobby looking creepily at Angelica and Angelica staring like directly into where the camera would be like, yes. oh, no. Oh, God. <laughs> it's like it's like a moment from the office. Like. Yes, exactly. Like she just can't. It's like perfectly timed because he just made this stupid comment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's great. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, can't boy. handle it. Yes. <laughs> overall thoughts for this <laughs> i <Yeah>. love it <laughs> Honestly. no I, i'm super into it i'm super yeah. into it it's there are definitely like big things that i i i'm picking apart because they are messy like there are things in this that are just very 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 messy but i had so much fun watching this episode mm-hmm. i don't know if it's because i'm partially like not expecting to take it very seriously but i'm not i'm as bothered as i am by those individual moments it really didn't like take me out of the episode at all yeah i don't know 
it's so much fun. Like the characters are fun. I love the dynamic that I think we're going to get from the three characters. Mm-hmm. Green Goblin is a really fun choice for a first episode. I think even if they didn't really dive into a lot of the stuff that makes Green Goblin interesting, he's still fun just because he's like weird and kind of a psycho. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I had a lot of I, I I don't know. I liked it a lot. I did too. It's yeah. It's it's fun. It's it's a weird show because like I don't love the pacing of it. Really, it's very it's very slow, and it's clearly a twenty four minute show coming. Like when you compare it to the Spider Man the animated series, where oh the episodes gosh. are like nineteen minutes and densely pack everything, and you don't even have time to you don't even have room to breathe. It seems like yeah. like you five more <laughs> minutes is a lot. It really is. Yeah, and I mean, there's just there's so many moments of this show where there's just like long pauses. And characters yeah. just stand there before they say their line, and it's like <laughs> it's a, it's it's a crazy difference. But like I don't I don't I'm not mad about it or anything. It's just it it is clearly like of its time. Like it feels it feels paced with other 80s and late 70s cartoons that I've seen. So it makes sense. But yeah, I'm 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 right there with you. I I didn't expect to have as much fun as I did revisiting it from this lens. There's so many weird things in it and so many choices that I don't quite understand, but like I love because I didn't understand them because they're not, it's not doing what we expect from superhero media now because it's coming from such a different time. Yeah. Well, and the things that, the things that I feel like could be tweaked aren't rewrite. Like I'm not trying to rewrite the plot of this episode or the story of the episode rather. It's just like little moments that I, I kind of want to like chip away little extra yeah. bits. Like there's like little bits of fat that I want to cut off. Yeah. Otherwise like the story, like you can keep the story intact. So I, I don't know. That's a lot better than just like an entire story that doesn't make sense that I want to just completely overhaul, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I need some editing, but, you know, what yeah. doesn't? <laughs> that's, yeah, that's fine. Editing is fine, you know? Yeah, yeah. Could do a whole lot worse than needing an extra edit. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, I liked it. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to to covering a few more episodes with these with these kooky characters. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Coolio. Yeah, yeah. Uh, here's a fun, random trivia question I have for you. Okay. There is a moment... In this episode, where Spider-Man web slings on an American flag, did oh. you happen to catch how many states exist in these United States? I did not notice <laughs> based that. Based no. on that flag. <laughs> how many? <laughs> I had to double check it because I was like, wait a second, this was in 1981, so we had 50 states. Um, there are 30 states in this universe. <laughs> Ooh, there's a, there's a story there. <laughs> mm-hmm, and there were only 10 colonies. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, yeah, so there you go. (laughs) I don't know what universe this is in, but it was very different in some way, shape, or form. The Dakotas never split. (laughs) West Virginia doesn't exist. (laughs) Lots of fun things. Yeah, many many interesting implications from that. (laughs) Who knew it was an alt-history series? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (sighs) Well, did we miss anything? (laughs) No, I'm looking forward to more. Me too. Cool. Where can people find you online if they want more Derek? If you would like to detect my presence on the interwebs, (laughs) 
you can find me <laughs> how many different ways can you say you can find me on twitter um <laughs> you can find me on twitter at derek b gale d-e-r-e-k-b-g-a-y-l-e and you can also look at my youtube show second chance looking at bad slash divisive uh media but looking at it through a positive lens trying to dig into its intent and what the creators are going for why people who may have liked it liked it or why it may have been misjudged things like spider-man 3 things like the 2017 power rangers movie things like josie and the pussycats and things like uh soon to be scrappy do and other characters like that <laughs> that'll be coming out uh Triggered. soon but <laughs> yeah uh but uh but yeah new episodes out every couple of months they take a lot of research they take a little while but i hope they are worth it when they do when they do they're worth out. it y'all check them out <laughs> um the best places to find me are also on twitter at uh icky bully i-c-k-y-b-o-o-l-e-y and over on the Victory Road podcast, where we talk about all things Pokemon. Uh, you can find that also on 4-Eyed Radio Network right here. It's one of our lovely uh, sister programs. Uh, we are very, very anxiously awaiting the release of more uh, Shield and Sword and Galar information. But, very exciting, we will have, by the time this airs, have seen and likely covered the Detective Pikachu movie. Um, nice. which we are very hyped about. So if you are also <laughs> hyped about that, we will have a review episode coming out soon or have come out recently. Not sure which. <laughs> so curious about that movie. <laughs> yes, me too. It looks like uh, an absolute horror land. <laughs> and I can't wait. That wasn't, <laughs> I cannot that, that wait. wasn't the description I was expecting, but <laughs> I don't disagree. <laughs> it's terrifying. It's absolutely yeah. terrifying. And I can't wait because it's... <laughs> Everything every Pokemon fan has ever wanted is like a realistic world with Pokemon. Now we know it would be awful. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. But I am genuinely very excited for that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay, cool. Well, if you want to find our show, you can find Walloping Web Snappers on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. All of them are at Walloping Web Pod. We always like to tweet out little goodies. Um, images from this episode that we referenced are up there. Um, if you have any questions for us or want to send us some cool fan art or something like that, you can email us at wallopingwebsnapperspodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can also support us on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers. I just realized we didn't mention our Walloping Word Snappers game at the beginning of this episode. Mm, but we Were did. we playing? it were we <laughs> you'll find out next week when we reveal if we had words or not maybe we mm. did maybe we didn't you'll just have to listen very closely and see if anything stood out to you being weird <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's a game you can play for our five dollar up patrons where they can submit words that we will have to say and work into an episode that month um you can still submit some words for what we're recording now um and it'll be in future episodes if you did, your words didn't make it into this episode it'll be in our episode next uh next time um and there are also plenty of other amazing perks we have some bonus episodes that we're going to be doing uh fairly soon so go ahead and jump in and take advantage of that but yeah so uh find us there next up we're going to be continuing our jaunt into the amazing friends as those amazing friends face off with craven the hunter and freaking dr doom um (laughs) in the episodes the crime of all centuries and the fantastic mr frump see you later later Spider Friends. Go for it, go.